0: To listen to this episode and all previous Deep Dives, Buddy Dives, and dive master interviews without commercial interruption, please subscribe and listen at Deep Dives with Monica Perez on your favorite podcasting platform. Hey, everybody. This is Monica Perez here with Tommy Sammons and Courtney Turner. We are doing a real swap cast honest to goodness equally hosting bringing our ideas i my show is deep dives with monica perez you can find me at monica perez show and let's just go around the horn tommy what's your show where can people find you
1: year zero uh at the libertarian institute It's uh, libertarianinstituteorg forward slash year dash zero forward slash
0: and courtney and
2: i am the courtney turner podcast And I'm everywhere except YouTube.
0: (laughs) Yes, right. That's that's a badge of honor. Yeah, right. (laughs) So what we want to talk about today is I think we want to kind of exchange ideas and just talk through some of the craziness that's happening with, I mean, I, there's like a whole new alphabet soup of DEI and ESG and CRT. There's stuff that like I never want to get dragged into the culture wars. I hate it. And even now at this point, they've pushed me so far that I'm just like, I don't care if what I say sounds on PC. Like if they've driven me to this, they mean to, they're, they're going out. They're going too far on purpose, in my opinion. Mm. So, I, but I think you guys are way better, more articulate about this. And I did a little homework. I guess I can we all agree that this is rooted in cultural Marxism or am I not even right about that?
2: Yeah. I mean, I would say that cultural Marxism was kind of the like promulgator. I, I think this goes back really, really far. You know, like I would say, occultists, uh, Plato, Neoplatonist, yeah. Wow. The, the tactics are dialectics, so. All right. Yeah. But cultural wait. Marxists yes. are a really good place to start because they are the ones who really uh, took it into, as the the name would have it, you know, through the culture and the long march through the institution. So okay. I think they are. Yeah, they're very relevant,
0: for sure. This this is what I think happened, and this will launch the conversation. We'll probably keep going until it's over. This is what I think happened, and tell me if I'm wrong. Marxism, either they say it did not work. I think maybe it would have worked, and that cultural Marxism was put in place to thwart it, but the official story basically is that Marxism, as this idea of the haves on the top and the have-nots on the bottom, or the elite and the proles, whatever— that the workers of the world would unite and they would overcome their national distinctions to replace the hierarchy through revolution. They would take the place. When that did not work, and the official Mm -hmm. story is that it didn't work because people were kind of more um, interested in their nationalities than in their class as a unifying factor, and we're not going to break through that, that then cultural Marxism came in and basically replaced at least in this country, as it was adapted here, uh, like, say, whiteness and non-whiteness for have and have not. And the same uh, idea applies, that there should be, like, a revolution to flip that. And from there, I just want to say, like, do you think that's right or wrong? And, like, (laughs) how do we... what were they really after? Were these people really after just having a power base that they didn't have access to when there was an establishment in place? There it is. That's the whole thing. Okay. And you have 90 minutes. <laughs> 90 minutes. I, think, I think it was, I think that's part,
1: I think it's partially right.
0: How would you synthesize, like simplify it?
1: Okay. Well, the thing about the thing about the working class that, that people underestimate is their ambition. Like people work to get ahead. They don't work to maintain. So like just take my job for instance. I work with guys that are in their 30s and, and some in their 60s that are making 15, 16 dollars an hour doing uh, working out in the in the summer heat. The harder things get, they don't talk about like attacking or re- revolting. That's not the way the talk goes. They they start talking about I need to start a business. I need to start doing hustling on the side. I need to start doing this. I need to start doing that. And they start looking at side hustles that they can get involved in, right? And so the that's where communism like really underestimated the working class. They did not understand the mentality of a working man and the way that the working man is wired. The working man works. That's what they do. They don't revolt. They work. They work to put food on the table and they just do whatever they have to do to make it to operate,
0: do you think patriotism or loyalty plays a part at all? In like, hey, I'm working for the national good. I'm not jealous of my boss. We're all Americans, like the like hundred years ago or whatever. Whenever these ideas came, do you think that their nationality or nationalism or ethnicity or any of that had anything to do with people's loyalties? I think,
1: I think tribe. I think tribe is more relevant. Like the tribe that you're involved in. See, because like you got to think back during like the Bolshevik Revolution. Let's just say that was like the extended family units, right? You had generations living together. That was a tribe of people living in a household or in a community, and um, yeah, they were working for that. Obviously, I honestly think patriotism, as far as like nationalism, is actually fairly new. I, I think people were but really tribalism more- is not. Right. I think I think I think nationalism, the way we understand it, is fairly new. It's a fairly new concept.
0: Okay, so before we get ahead, I want I want to go back to Courtney and say, like, why do you why would you say that what I said was partly true? (laughs) Partly correct. Um, So we'll start with uh, you're talking
2: about like why these revolutions didn't spread. And that's actually the question that Lenin asked, you know, because according to Marx, it was supposed to spread throughout the West. And when that didn't happen, you know, he was pretty frantic and very confused he actually had a meeting with antonio gramsci uh with oh uh, really yeah with so antonio
0: gramsci is the italian who kind of came up with this approach and mussolini put him in jail because it was so dangerous exactly yes So so he was actually interacting with lenin
2: Yes. And I, 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 mean, I wasn't there. I can't confirm this, but I, I found this in, uh, <laughs> to be, to be fair. Um, but because a lot of, uh, you know, bibliographers and a lot of historians don't reference them, the meeting, but, uh, Gramsci's great, uh, Gramsci, Gramsci's grandson wrote uh, a bunch of memoirs, uh, a, like from yeah and like read through his letters and I accept that yeah yeah that sounds like and real so speech. he said oh, they okay. had this private meeting and it was a private mm-hmm. meeting um and i'm pretty sure that there was a, a meeting in uh, vienna with uh george I, I don't know how you pronounce his name he's hungarian and it's like Lukasz? Lukasz, lukacs yeah, is
0: yeah I, I don't know if the y is silent or because not I, but, yeah. I learned it in college from some like Hungarian guy and yeah, he's like he's everyone was Lukash. So every time I hear it, I'm like, it's Lukash, <laughs> it's Lukash, exactly. <laughs> like goulash. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> and so yeah. Okay. Um, so and uh, and I believe uh, Horkheimer was the other one. Um Horkheimer but, was yeah. the head of the Frankfurt, Frankfurt. school,
0: he didn't take it over until like you know, six, seven years later. So Gramsci was talked to Lukács and Lenin and Horkheimer, like all these people were in communication with each other. And are, were they still still in the philosophizing stage or were they in the planning stage?
2: So, so essentially what Gramsci said is that, so, uh, you know, Marx wrote uh, to, he wrote the uh, Communist Manifesto and then he also wrote Das Kapital. So the Communist Manifesto was essentially... Talking about cultural revolutions. That was a large part of the communist manifesto. Interestingly enough, he actually denounced communist manifesto in favor of Das Kapital, which was a very feeble attempt at economic theory, but he wanted to be perceived as, you know, an economist that it was about economic revolution. And what Gramsci said is that no, that was wrong, that it needs to be through the culture and essentially that it has to be a cultural, uh, subversion. In order to have it spread, and uh, most of what happened with the Frankfurt School was that they, you know, they deduced that it was essentially the Judeo-Christian culture that had to be deracinated in order for Marxist-style uh, revolution to occur, because you have to take away this that that value system in order to replace it with a statist-type value system.
0: Were they so, that aware of what they were talking about? Do you think
2: they were? Yes, right. I mean, they, these people all wrote like very long, uh, drawn out essays and books, and yeah. So, uh, Gramsci was not involved in the Frankfurt School, he was in prison. Um, but uh, arguably, uh, Lukacs and then later Horkheimer uh, executed a lot of what you know his plans and theory, probably more Lukacs than uh, Horkheimer. But good start. So,
0: so is that, do you feel that that is the root of what we're seeing today? And what we're seeing today is a concerted effort at uh, mm-hmm. academics, Politics, um, corporate stuff, the World Economic Forum, this DEI, Mm -hmm. the diversity, equity, and inclusion. And then the ESG is environmental, social, and governance. And then the CRT is the critical race theory. Mm -hmm. There's also like the transgender stuff that's in, you know, any kind of sexual stuff. Like I didn't even like it when the Catholic school my kids went to talks to them about abortion in third grade. Like I don't Mm -hmm. like the sex stuff in little, little kids. So all of those things seem to me to be like of a piece, like they're all kind of coming from the same place. And it feels, feels like it's a place where cultural media, stuff like that, the institutions are all being infiltrated um, with this particular style of thing that definitely taps into culture, definitely taps into Mm -hmm. racial differences and stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. But to the extent that, like, say, it brings Mm -hmm. sexual stuff to kids that are too young to understand sex, that seems like undermining their psyches in in a way like is it intentionally destructive on a psychological basis in your opinion and does what you know is that what we're this is all deriving from cultural marxism or from those guys you think so it's largely deriving from these guys. I, I, I,
2: As I said, I actually think this stuff predates them, but I think that they were largely instrumental in, uh, you know, propagating and promulgating it. And when you look at, the, at a lot of like the sexual perversity that you're essentially talking about, uh, that stuff, I don't think it starts with them, but certainly, you know, there was a you know, uh, I would say that Marcusa was really instrumental in that. I would say Eros of Civilization, Freud, Freud was under Tavistock. Tavistock has a lot of overlap with uh, the Frankfurt School. They actually were kind of like a, you know, they were, I think of them as like the mother of all think tanks. And they were very much, there's a lot of overlap between Tavistock the uh, Frankfurt School, and the Fabian Socialists. And some a lot of these cl- key players were parts of all three of them. Uh, so then there was Eric Fromm, who was, yeah, so he was also really instrumental in the Frankfurt School. And he drew very much from Freud's, uh, you know, uh, polymorphous diversity. <coughs> so did Marcuse.
0: Do you guys think that this stuff that they're doing comes from a place of, you uh, Loving the people and thinking this is good for society. And if it's not coming from a place where they think it's actually good for the people in society, how do you think they get their minds around the damage that it's going to do?
2: I don't really think that I think their worldview is kind of inverted. So I think that a lot of this has much more to do with uh power and control than it really does with uh, you know love and concern but you know that the thing that i urge people to consider is that they really believe
0: what they write so they they actually think that this is the way it should be but that they that these people have to be sacrificed eggs have to be broken exactly yes. And Tommy, you agree with that? Do uh, you think they know the damage they're doing or do they, you know, do they, is it because they don't care about individuals, only the collective? Because that would go to like the pandemic thing too. It's like, well, you're, you're the one killing grandma. And it's like, well, grandmas have to be sacrificed, you know? It's utilitarian. Yeah. The greater good. Yeah,
1: I, I'm not as I'm not as versed in in communist literature as as Courtney is, but what I do read is I read a lot of the globalist. Right, you and I had talked. I've talked about yep. this in the past. There's so a lot of overlap. There, there absolutely is. Yep. And um, so, like when you read like like Charles Galton Darwin in the next million years, and he talks about getting rid of uh, fossil fuels. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he he just comes out and says, "Yeah, millions of people are going to have to die." Yep. Just and why
0: does he want to get rid of fossil fuels?
1: Well, for control, for power.
0: Right, because it's so egalitarian.
1: See, that's so the strange. thing about the... Yeah, that's the thing about the, um, the globalists that's different than the communists. They admit it's for power. They're very open about, yeah, this is... Just to move forward.
2: If they their, their code word is control, right? They, it would be much yeah. easier to control 500 million people right. than yeah. Yeah, so, 8
0: billion. <laughs> so, Courtney, you said the greater good, mm-hmm. but is it... See, that's the thing with these guys, the guys who came over. It was the Frankfurt School was in Frankfurt, and then they came over. They were, I guess, mostly Jewish, and during the mm-hmm. Nazi era they came to Colombia and so it was then yep. transplanted there mm-hmm. so yep. it was in in the US and like the way they talk like it it sounds like when you read the original stuff they seem like you know nice backslapping guys like the stuff sounds like the true believer stuff that you are talking about mm-hmm. and it goes to they they do kind of say greater good however now we're talking about power and control mm-hmm. and you got to wonder if it goes back to like the Illuminati stuff with the French mm-hmm. Revolution where it it's not really about the greater good necessarily it's about about um it's about the monarchy having power that could not be accessed by anybody else and you have to get rid of that so that we can get that power right well i would
2: actually argue they think that is the greater good because so you bring up like the illuminati the occultists they're gnosticists and you know really a lot of this is based Mm -hmm. on hegel who was actually an alchemist and a hermeticist so they think so it's an inverted kind of Uh, a philosophy or religion essentially. And actually, you know, they talk about it as being a religion. They, they literally, I'll pull up the quotes, but they, they literally say that this is a religion and it needs to be executed with religious fervor. And it is this idea, you know, Gnostic notion that they are going to be the gods. So Mm -hmm. because they know best, you know, they know better for, You know, a young child, whether they should be a boy or a girl. And, you know, the parents don't know. Uh, (laughs) You know, they know better. Big Pharma knows better for you than uh, you and your doctor. (laughs) So, you know, the list goes on and on. But, you know, those are. Right. So it's pure
0: elitism then at that point. It's
2: elitism. But so when they say, but they really believe it, they really think that they are, uh, when I say for the greater good,
0: it's because uh, the plebeians couldn't possibly know best. Well, not make a decision
1: for yourself. Yeah,
0: Here's what's like weird about this and I hate mm-hmm. to admit this but when I used to so I had a radio show that was a call-in show so I mm-hmm. really had my finger on the pulse of like what people were saying both the people who were like mad at me people from other like groups uh, minority groups it was in Atlanta which was extremely diverse like there was mm-hmm. critical mass in every possible subcategory and they always totally supported me and then uh, like most people did, or we had intelligent conversations. Then when Trump came along, in, they they just forgot about the Constitution and oh, yeah. um. That, and now with like the pandemic, I'm in LA and like lockdown, and people are just idiots, complete moron, like old people. Like, get away from me! I'm gonna die. I'm like, lady, you're gonna die anyway. <laughs> like, you know, I you should let me visit. You're stupid. Like, this is crazy. Right. So um, so now I'm like, you know. Maybe plebes are stupid. Right. I mean, I shouldn't say it that harshly. It's not my style to be rude, but I'm just trying to make a point like... And it really isn't a point that they're right. It's just a point that like for the first time ever, this is a personal observation, For the first time ever, I could always completely defend the rank and file, the us versus them, the mm-hmm. uses of it. 100% like the way the Russian revolutionaries or the like anti-surf people or anti-slavery are always <coughs> like, we have the surf wisdom, like surfs right. are, are superior. Like I would always completely, my father is a truck driver. He was really smart. He was really good. I could defend him to my dying day. And I just kind of thought everybody was like that. And right. now I'm like, you know what? You know, when I moved to Texas and people were just Republican and they were like, I'm voting for this because it's better for my wallet. And It's like, but Republicans are voting for the Bill of Rights. <laughs> you know? I mean, I'm not a Republican, but at least right. I thought like the opposite of Democrat was a Republican and Democrats were like against. You know what I mean? So like my mm-hmm. my my worldview is changing as I see people easily duped and manipulated now by these very people they are. And maybe that's just too high a bar for like the human being to deal with. And maybe they are creating the reality that they, they believe in and that they don't respect us. Therefore, but it seems like it takes a lot, a lot of effort to get uh, a lot of psychology and sociology to be able to, to uh, delude, you know, 7 billion people like, yeah, so they have. So
2: I, I think this is—it's such a web, right? It's a very intricate web. So you have these all of these different departments, and what I really try to, you know, stress to people is that you can't see outside of that, right? Like if, it's almost like you're one puzzle piece, piece, right? So it's you know, in the intelligence departments, very, very rarely do they know what another department is working on. Mm-hmm. So some some are very spooks. compartmentalized. I mean, yes, yeah, it's compartmentalized. So like some are spooks, and they get kind of like an all you know seeing eye pun intended. Yeah. But you know they they get to kind of know what's going on between different departments, and uh, that and that often gives them a very different perspective of what's going on. Oh my goodness, this is what we're doing, uh, and yet you hear stories about this. So w- when you talk about like the elites and some of the things there, they have all these different. Uh, compartments, essentially, so, like I was talking about Tavistock before, they do a lot of social science research, and they do, essentially, a lot of the beta testing, so one of the big things that came out of Tavistock was shell shock therapy, and that was under the guise of, you know, researching soldiers and what happened to them, but it became weaponized as trauma-based mind control, and you see this, you know, right, so, you know, and then when you have, uh, like, some of these philosophers, they're so seeped in the, and it's very myopic. They're, you know, very, uh, seeped in their field of study. So they don't necessarily know what's going on outside of that. And so they've been indoctrinated. They've been conditioned and in a very myopic, uh, paradigm.
0: Did you see that Tavistock made the news last week in that they had the only transgender clinic for children in Britain? And it's, it's, it's kept saying, it's like being shut down, it's being shut down, but actually it says they are going to replace it with a series of regional centers of at Specialist Children's hospitals. So it's actually, they're like breaking it up to spread around. Of and Tavistock was, I believe, related to that Marianne Faithful who went out with uh, Mick Jagger and, uh, and she was a massage as in sadism and masochism, she was a masoch. Yep. And yeah. so like, if you, if you really want to get into the, the tendrils of the sexual stuff, it's, it it seems like they do connect.
2: Oh yeah. They mm. were like the forerunners of the prop, not of the movement, the movement really, uh, the genesis are occult. Although I would argue Tavistock has a well, lot I have of to the hear that. roots there. Um, that yeah, the genesis of uh, occult of uh, feminism really is occultism, but the Tavistock Institute, which arguably could, an argument could be made, is very connected to the occult, but they uh, were instrumental in the propaganda uh, to condition feminism. You know, that that's where a lot of like the ads that were, uh, and the desensitization and the women's liberation and uh, the hypersexualization, a lot of that came out of the Tavistock Institute. How you know, is right? that occult? Uh, ha- no that's not a cult but i'm
0: saying that arguably they are connected to but what cult. but what's the occult roots of what we're talking about a little bit like i'm not trying to put you on the spot oh, like what if oh, i don't I, give me like an example i was
2: saying the occult root, well it depends so the occult root of, of feminism or the occult roots of uh so the occult roots of, of feminism, feminism, though, say, yeah. But yeah, feminism yeah yeah, so, feminism so and they go; they kind of have to pay the pave the way for where we are now—the transgender and then the transhumanism, right? But there, it is this: uh they worship like the, you know, uh, hermaphroditic. Type yes, of, right. Yes, that yes. and
0: that; those are the, the, what they worship. So, there's—is that hermeticism? Stuff. Is that herma? That's not Hermes. Yeah. Herself yeah, yeah. Hermes. Yeah. No, that's is where Hermes is the
2: Hermaphrodite. That's where uh, Hermes isn't, but that's where uh, her- that's where the
0: term hermeticism comes so, out of. So the Hermaphrodite was Hermes and Aphrodite had a baby yep. and mm-hmm. it was a male who was like raped or something? Is that correct? I don't know if they were raped. Or like consumed, like there was some think, sexual thing. Like oh, it was like how, how they yeah. Became. So he became like a, the union of male and female. Yes. I don't okay. know the story of how he became. I thought there was some, be- but you know, I'm reaching. No, no,
2: no, you're probably right. I haven't read that since I was like six years old. I honestly don't Yeah, remember. I don't remember. But <laughs> well, if you were reading that, then you, <laughs> six
0: years old. I, I was, was, I was like really, yes, yes. I was
2: really into like the Greek mythology yes. when I was really little. Like when I first started reading, that was like what I read.
0: Does this, is this even pagan where we've got fertility goddesses or whatever? And is that, is the idea? The the idea
2: behind it. So they, they're eugenicists, right? They want to depopulate and they eventually want to control the rest. And so a huge part of the feminist movement was to uh, decrease the population, right? Because you destroy the family. And so if you, right. And that's part of what, why they created this whole, uh, you, you, like, women should be able to work so they can tax both parties, right? Both the men and the yeah. women. And now that you don't have them, somebody home with the children, so you're disrupting the family unit. Uh, this was the and beginning of the erosion okay. of... What?
0: And you can't, you can't, right. If you so have the you memory glands from. and the uterus, I mean, you kind of have to be there. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. you know, you got, you're not having a baby while, you know, like that chick, they gave this like seven month pregnant chick the rains at Yahoo. And I was like, um, she's probably going to need to take some time off, like right after, even just like an afternoon. So you better, hope there's nothing going on. Yeah. Like it just doesn't even make sense. And they try to act like there's no biological basis in. Yeah. In, in sex. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah.
0: And, and that was also part of it
2: too, was to, to create that perversion. Um, you know, they're very much into, because then it, it takes away the, again, the family unit. You know, mm-hmm. if you have uh, all this uh, uh, perversity, essentially, then
0: you... Well, then it's an inversion, you, right? Also.
2: It's an inversion.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, but Tavistock then- was very instrumental in the propaganda for that. You know, convincing women that, you know, they should want things like birth control. <laughs> that, you know, mm-hmm. this was empowering for them. That things like, even
0: like voting. I mean, there was a, really a lot bicycles. of... Bicycles. I've heard I've bicycles. yeah. So yeah. Tommy, do you agree with this assessment? Is this new to you? Cuz it's a little bit new to me. I didn't realize there were such Some
1: of, some of it is new, but I mean this was kind of what I was getting at whenever I introduced the idea, to y'all, that that the the long march through the institution started with the family. I mean, mm-hmm. they they were plotting the education. They were they were bringing in educational tools to get the kids because they can't deal with innocence so they have to destroy the innocence of children in order to get these children to be scarred and have this trauma so that they are seeking out this this psychiatric help and can basically be be programmed into acting as good little soldiers but that all starts with they they realized shortly after taking over the uh, the schools that okay well, the father and mother they spend a lot of time with their kids, and they actually have conversations with their children. So we have to do something about this. We have to separate the parents from the children now. And so they they ushered in the feminist movement. It started. Uh, they they started um pushing the the two two families uh, two parents working in the home, which, would cause division. And then you ended up with a situation where they brought in no fault divorce. Right. And it just made it that much easier. Oh, I'm just unhappy for this week or this month or whatever. Let's not work on our marriage. Let's just split up the irreconcilable differences, you know? And it's like, okay, that's, that's kind of strange. Why would you do that? Well, so they now
0: that, Yeah, keep going.
1: Oh, I was going to say they started bringing this stuff in and then you were talking about the the normies, the plebs and how they they acted during the COVID. Well, mm-hmm. obviously one of the biggest institutions that they infiltrated was the media, and they've been doing this for years. Was right? the
2: what? I'm sorry. The media. The media. Yeah. That was a huge You
1: know, you had so, Operation Mockingbird and all these right. things. And I always say just because that particular operation ended doesn't mean they ended the, you know, operating within the media. That didn't make any sense to me. You know, they found an easy way to control the masses. And they this infiltrated is why- infiltrated
0: completely, I'm sure. Yeah. It's not that they stopped the operation. It was just completely. Anyway, finish, Tommy. Sorry.
1: Oh, I was just going to say this is why they go after like big names like Alex Jones and this and the other that are in the alternative media. Or Courtney. They just kick her off. They're like, nope. <laughs> Can't hear from her anymore. She's, she's <laughs> so having can- too much influence because she's bringing up too many questions, you know, and so it's actually injuring their operation.
0: Mm-hmm. So just before we pull on that thread, I want to just hit on something that you said about the mental illness that arises in the kids from this stuff and that goes to what I was saying earlier. Like, they're obviously not doing this out of the goodness of their own hearts, right? So, or they are and they think it's good. I think this points out that, now, I totally believe that mental illness is a feature and not a bug of all this stuff. I think that big pharma and stuff is moving into that. That's why there was that shooting in the subway and they're like, okay, now we're having a cop, a social worker and like clinicians who can diagnose the homeless in the subways and give them pills. Like it's crazy. And just like the vaccines, they will pay, you know, the government will pay for that. So they'll actually go out and find the patients, give them the thing, have them pay for it. So mental illness is part of it. Also, I read something that like um, 57% of Women, prime age women, whatever, I think who identify as liberal have been diagnosed with a mental illness, like 18 to 34 yeah. year old, something like that. Like they, they are mentally ill. And if you ever tap into, I, I was listening to, I was talking to a, an internet privacy guy and he said, if you had somebody else's internet or if you have a VPN, like the internet looks like a totally different place to you because it's not tailored to you. So like when I saw my daughter's Instagram or whatever, it was just like cats bunnies, cats and cucumbers. And then it was a picture of a woman who looked like me, which looked like my daughter. And she had a sign that said, I'm 30. I have no kids and I'm happier. And it was like, and it was a sign. Like she wrote like, why, what was that even an ad for? Like it was nothing. It was weird. And it was so, so like, I can see that they are targeting people for certain things. And I believe that, mental illness, obviously foreseeable with lockdown. So all the things that they're saying are COVID related, all are lockdown related or, mm-hmm. or like jab illnesses. So right. everything they're saying for is sure. those is policies and this other thing. So the mental illness is definitely something that they are after. And so I can say now that we can answer the previous question, which is, do they really think this is good for society? Or are they there for something else? They're obviously there to control, to have the power. And it, it can't be both they they. it's it's not well they're not doing it for us they're doing it right
2: for- but it, so like you know when i'm talking about the the feminist movement right so they, they they want that like this the woman did just to be deceived to think that she shouldn't have children and you know that her career matters i'm not saying that women shouldn't work or you know i brought up the the voting and you'd be surprised women actually really didn't want to vote <laughs> that was yeah they actually the like the statistics were largely against they were not in favor of it. So this was a lot of propaganda.
0: Why? Why would they carry their way? Like, why would they be opposed to it? Or not, a, I mean, not they in favor? not want to be involved. They oh, you know, in at the, uh, the home. They don't want to be involved. They invo- had a sense of responsibility. They were like, yeah, I don't want to have right. to get educated. Right. I don't know yeah. that they
2: didn't, didn't want to have to get educated. I mean, I mean they're tending to that. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, Go it
1: was on. tied wow. with the draft, too. The Voting was actually, back in the day, was tied with the draft. What do you mean? They actually, if if you had the right to vote, then you were eligible to be drafted.
2: But they didn't do so, that for women, right? That, well, that didn't yeah, that's that. what
1: I'm saying. They, when women started, when they passed the 19th Amendment, they stopped that practice.
0: Wow, that's interesting because I did always think that that voting <laughs> maybe should be tied to some sense of ownership. You know, skin in the game. Whether it's property, whether it's like I mean, you just can't be citizens, a net, you know, a welfare recipient or whatever, just because there's a conflict of interest there, really? it's a moral hazard to have people vote who can't, who don't have, who don't have to pay for their for the the consequences. Sure, of the votes. yeah,
1: no. Obama I, I would say you have no skin in the game.
0: Exactly. Right.
2: So wow. I I think that, but when you say like that, there is it for the greater good or is it just? So they really do think though that they know best and they think that if they were to the way they want it designed, whether, you know, to reduce the population and to have, you know, a technocracy, they think that this is the better way because mm-hmm. they think they're gods. I, I, that's I know that's not the the thing. thing. It is a Gnostic thing. It really is Gnosticism. That's really what this is.
0: Really, even the Frankfurt School guys, because Francis Bacon, because, to me, yeah, because like, they're based, Gnosticism, and I couldn't. But they're think based of them as, on Marxism. They're based on Marxism. They're
2: based on Hegel, who was based on Kant and and Plato, and this is all Gnosticism. I mean, Hegel, as I said, is arguably much more of an alchemist. Um, you know, but yeah, it is. This is Gnosticism because that's okay. what the foundation is. I mean Marx wrote odes to Satan and two books up there. He literally well, what, wrote odes to, to
0: Satan. Literally wrote odes to it Satan. It feels satanic. Do you think he thought Satan was a person? Do the Gnostics think that Satan is an actual entity or is it the the is so it this gnosticism, idea?
2: gnosticism is a, a kind of a broader term. It has more to do with gnosis is a you know knowledge. Know. It's it's yeah to know. So it's it's the it's the love of knowledge but it's this idea that you know biblically speaking it would be the idea that man is limited and therefore uh god has you know harmed him because they didn't endow him with all the the knowledge and so they think that they can get knowledge of you know esoteric knowledge essentially and that's where the, you know the esoteric term comes from so it's that you know that higher knowledge that man typically is limited. And so mm-hmm. but that's what they believe that they they can achieve and that they should achieve.
1: They also okay. believe it's an exclusive club and only some people are um capable of knowing, like un- understanding the knowledge and therefore they keep the knowledge under lock and key. This is where stuff like the Illuminati, the Jesuits, that's where that, that lineage comes from.
0: What is the story with, I I try to find stuff on the Vatican and the Jesuits as, like, part of the cabal. Mm. And some of it gets, like, a lot of the other stuff where it gets, like, too kooky. And I'm like, that can't be, you know, so what what is the real story there? Are they all interrelated? Or what what is the story in a nutshell of... and, And these things, I mean, you're bringing this up in this conversation. So, obviously, there are some connections.
1: Well, yeah, I mean... You look at Operation Gladio. I mean, there's obviously
0: I <laughs> just read a book on that and it was in my thing. Oh, this is so interesting. I have a okay, so
1: huge book right here. <laughs> this is
0: what I this is what I was thinking about that, because Borgoglio, who's the Pope right now, supposedly, I think he drinks baby's blood, but and I'm Probably. Catholic. And uh so here's the thing with that though. He was so the gladio, the book I read was the CIA, the Vatican, and gladio, something like that. It's mm-hmm. The mafia, it was all that stuff. It was a real pile. That's one I got. Yeah, yeah. It's just got a lot of secondary sources, which I don't like when you're talking about stuff like that. Like I want the smoking guns, and I want to know if you have a smoking gun or not. Like I don't like you telling, referring me to Peter Dale Scott, who I like and would believe, but then I got to go find the book and see exactly what he said. I don't like it like that. But so that's why I'm like a little fuzzy on the story. But one thing that really came through there is the CIA and this is like Gramsci right was the was a communist in Italy apparently the communism in Italy was the back door i think people probably know that the back door to communism in Europe like that's where it was coming in and that's why gramsci was in jail and that's why we did gladio there the CIA was there it was using supposedly the story is it was using mob money that was funneled through the vatican banks and then Again, the story gets a little confused with other stuff, like there was the bank Ambrosiano, which was bamboozling the Vatican from what I can tell. So there's a lot of different things going on there. But the bottom line was they were fighting communists. They were fighting communists, even to the extent they were cooperating with fascists, they were fighting communists. And then you've got the CIA in Latin America, who was working with, I think, Borgoglio and some of those people. Because there were liberation theology or some like really profoundly grassroots, whether that, I think, I think that was like a profoundly grassroots thing to the point where one of the bishops was, was assassinated, who was a proponent of that, that they were in there and the CIA was trying to keep that down. I think even Rockefeller might have gone in over the head of the CIA to put a lot of money in there for that. But when I looked at like Borgoglio and some of the other guys who were down there working supposedly in connection with the CIA, they were, They were promoting socialism, and it occurred to me that socialism, which is really fascism, right? So, like, fascism is socialism more than it is communism. Communism is something a little bit different, but let me, I know you're disagreeing with me, Courtney. I'm going to let you say, let me just finish. The one thing I'm saying is that I think that they were allowing socialism because they were basically paying people off to not go full communist, and that kind Mm -hmm. of Pure, like, because some of these guys, like, I think Adorno actually criticized Soviet communism, which uh, again is not pure communism, but like Marxist communist economic stuff. Mm-hmm. I think Adorno's like some of these people, or Marcusa, who was an OSS guy, CIA guy mm-hmm. himself. Like, I, I feel like they come off across the socialists. but when push comes to shove, I think maybe they're there to make sure there isn't a real communist upheaval.
2: Oh, interesting. Um, no, I mean they—they they all argue about you know their version of communism. It, essentially, I mean it, it all leads to communism. The cult- socialism as it keeps progressing, which is the intention. I mean that's you know that's the dialectic. It, it always progresses, so it ends up being communism. And when you look at these, I, I really think this whole divide with not to say that there aren't nuanced differences between communism and fascism, but I think a lot of the uh, narratives that are put forth uh, regarding fascism versus communism is really to try and paint fascism as this right wing kind of a a ideology, which is false. Actually, Um, the only component that could be led to, you know, that, that people could attach to being right-wing is because of the corporate element of it. And so they they think of that as like a, a capitalistic concept, but it's not because it's a, a merger of the corporations
0: and but the government. But it's also, I think of fascism as more like national socialism as opposed mm-hmm. to international socialism, which is more like what communism might be. And, So, yeah, so I mean, what
2: we're seeing right now with the is absolutely global because the Klaus
0: Schwab's globalism is international fascism. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And even in this country, because a lot of our, our corporations are international. And the socialism that they promote does two things because they do promote socialism that does two things like Obamacare, public transportation. It all makes yeah. sure that they can actually pay unlivable wages by subsidizing necessities, which is pretty bad. And it also keeps the people quiet. And dependent yeah. and all that. So, call socialism fascism. I don't think that
2: those two well, it's are. called
0: national socialism, right? I mean, isn't that what Nazis are, right? But, but
2: fascism is not synonymous with the
0: nationalism.
2: Okay. So, what is
0: communism? Define communism.
2: Communism is, you know, it, it's. In theory, is I'm. I mean, it just it's never actually happened, though, right? I mean, it always becomes it's some sort of totalitarianism, right? So, you know, there's a. I, I think the difference between socialism and communism is that socialism they they think that you know you still have some elements of uh where there's not complete uh takeover. So, so you, you would have- say.
0: Do you think communism—see, because the way I think of communism, like Marxism, mm-hmm. the way I learned it in college, yeah. was that uh, capitalism builds up industry, and then the b- factories basically run themselves, and that's when you can kill all the leaders, and then you all just show up for work, and your right position, and you, you know, give to—you you contribute what you can, you take what you need— and that's it. Is, is that what, when you say communism, is that what you're talking about? Because well, when you start talking about these intellectuals, yeah. they're, they got something else in mind. So what do you mean when you say. Communism,
2: communism. I mean, essentially it's that you, you know, you, the private, it has to do with property. So I think that's really kind of the difference because socialism applies more to like, uh, you know, labor as opposed to property ownership. And I think that would be the distinction, but All the the thing is that all of these thinkers that that they you get lost in everyone has their nuanced way of looking at it, but ultimately that it's all kind of leads to the same place, it
0: all leads to totalitarianism. So, what do you guys make of? You know, it's very hard for me to crack the code on this because I'm very analytical. And these guys, yeah. it's such gobbledygook. The the psychology, the sociology, um, all the nonsense that's in it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's yeah. into a lot of times I think psychology and sociology are there, they're used as tools so that people can deny their own motives and that they can justify. So, like they'll say, I remember. One of my sisters is liberal. And when I was growing right. up, she would say, I have eight older brothers and sisters. And she was much older than I. And she would, when I was growing up, she was just like, it's a myth that if you give people welfare, they don't want to work. Everybody wants to work because that's how they get their feelings of self worth. And if they need welfare, you don't have to worry about them abusing that system okay so that and i'm not even arguing it i'm just saying that is the worldview right so i as a person who's very observant or black and white or maybe i look through some lens i don't i don't know but it seems to me that if you get stuff like if you don't have to i i personally like i'm very i i went into the jungle once really deep in the jungle like five hours into the jungle on a boat, like I, they were like, don't land or they will like kill you. I was like, okay. So we went all the way deep into the jungle and we got there. The people were there still wearing like bark t- mm-hmm. uh, ponchos mm-hmm. and they were sitting there. Their teeth were completely worn down because all they did all day long was make like yucca or whatever, like something that makes you trip or drunk or whatever. And I was like, oh, everyone likes to just sit around and get high. Everyone in the whole world since the beginning of time, they just want to sit around and get high. I want to sit around and get high, but I can't because I have to clean my house or to take care of my kids, blah, 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 blah but I really just want to sit around and get high, whatever high means to me. So that's my observation. And then the people I know who have, you know, stolen or whatever, or use the state funds, like they just want to get high. And and I'm really not trying to oversimplify. I know it sounds bad, but I'm saying like, I look at psychology and sociology as a way to pretend like there that one plus one does not equal two. Like it's just a way to pretend that. And all that gobbledygook kind of says the same thing. And, um, so what, where was I going? Why was I thinking of that? Because. I agree
2: with you on that. I, I want to very clear, uh, quickly clarify this though. It says the main difference that under communism, most pro- property and economic resources are owned and controlled by the state at, rather than individual citizens. Under socialism, all citizens share an equ- equally economic resources as allocated by democratically elected. So, you you all share. So it's
0: allegory. Yeah. I mean, you could to. say socialism is communism like. I think the point I was making I mean, is that I, they'll give you all this gobbledygook, but they don't really mean it. They're just saying it to justify this totally. It's um, never happened. It's society. never
2: happened where it doesn't become like despotism. It's always ruled yeah, by um, but I wanted to address what you were saying about uh, psychology and uh sociology. sociology and yeah. Everything. So I actually I started college as a neuroscience major because I had written two 85-page theses in high school and dream analysis, and so I was going to you know continue my work. That basically a hospital, the Columbia Presbyterian laughed at me when I presented the study to them, and so <laughs> um, they told me it would be statistically significant and I would get a Nobel Prize, but not to bother because they're going to take my idea and run with it. So, but I, so I, that was my plan. But when I started uh, the psych classes, I felt like I would have to lie. To continue to take it because they were so overwrought with Marxism, and so my you know theory at the time had been that psychology was really run by Marxists, and you know that it was created by Marxists, which I don't think is entirely false, and even now. But now that I've studied, uh, you know, the Tavistock Institute and most of psychology is a, a der- derived from Tavistock. You know, it was created by uh, largely by Kurt Lewin. Um, you know, certainly Sigmund Freud. Carl Jung, um, Eric Fromm was a big. And, and these uh, guys, right. These names overlap. Adorno,
0: Marcuse, like
2: they yes.
0: they, they and, uh, were advocates of Freud, for example.
2: Oh, for sure. And they, there was a lot of overlap. And then Edward Bernays, who was the, known as the right. father of propaganda, who the was nephew was the double of nephew Freud. Of, double nef- <laughs> nephew of Freud.
0: And I believe the uncle of the great uncle of the guy who founded Netflix. Netflix, yep.
2: Yep. That's right. Absolutely. I, but now that I've studied that, I'm like, I, so I've kind of come to the conclusion that I think that, that the field of psychology and most social sciences, essentially, uh, sociology, I think is a little bit different because it's more testing grounds, but I think that most social sciences, um, were created for testing grounds for, but I think that psychology was created to be a solution, a secular solution to spiritual problems. And that's really what
0: you see. Oh, interesting. This, yeah. yeah.
2: That doesn't mean that, you know, psychology is all bad or that, it's like all, that you know, it's never helped anyone. That That's not what yes. I'm
0: saying. I was but, coming on too strong with that too. Like, I definitely know people have psychological issues. I believe course. that stat, that, that more than half the people in any given group has a mental illness diagnosis. I totally get that. I just think that when you're giving out money, incentives do actually matter and that all this gobbledygook is meant to like deceive us into not seeing what's in front of our eyes. Well, and I think a
2: lot of it has also been created so I think a lot of uh, conditions have been uh, created through, um, you know, culture weaponization. Uh, so like one of the things that you asked about was why is the CIA so involved in the cultural revolution in the 60s? And, uh, you know, that, that's very intentional because as you start to study through the Frankfurt School, they were involved in, you know, the, the German term would be F haven to culture. And, uh, you know, F is a very complicated word because it kind of means to keep while destroy. Like the translation is like to lift up while to tear down. So it's, a, it's an oxymoron in itself. Wow. But, but you see that that's exactly what you see because it's very deceptive. And it, again, it goes back to this notion of inversions, but that, that's exactly what happened because it is the dialectic. and. You know, Hegel would talk about the, the negative. So it, the P is known for the Hegelian dialectic, but the thesis, antithesis, synthesis actually was Kant. Kant said that. And then Hegel created the, uh it was the abstract, negative, and then concrete. And abstract and concrete are kind of, oh, sorry, it started with concrete. Yeah, are kind of different than what you would expect them to be. Uh, but abstract is like to abstract something, like an idea. And then it, then you negate it. And then the concrete is essentially the synthesis of those ideas because he he, worked, he was an idealist and an alchemist. So it was the, you know, the hybridization of that, but through the world of
0: ideas. Sorry. yeah. Oh, let's hear from Tommy if you get a thought and then I want to pull I'm on down. some of those threads.
1: No, like what, what she just said a while ago uh, about sociology and psychology uh, being spiritual. in in its manifestation is exactly where uh, H.G. Wells was coming from in The Open Conspiracy. So what what he said was that you had to destroy religion's dependence on otherworldliness. And you had to get religion to depend on scientism and materialism in order to usher in a one world religion to control the culture. And therefore you would get the one world government, which is what you were talking about would be the international fascism, the globalization, all the globalists. And this is why the globalists, I mean, um, I think Wells wrote this in 1928, right around the same time that Gramsci was operating. Right. So they were dependent on each other's literature because they were ultimately aiming at an internal, uh, international order. It was just who was going to be in charge of that international order? Was it going to be the fascist, like, like a, <clears throat> excuse me, H.G. Wells or Aldous Huxley, Julian Huxley, or was it going to be the communist, like Gramsci, socialist, like Orwell, who was a Fabian? You know, wow.
0: is it possible that sociology or all these competing ideas? were really like what I think about the presidential stuff. Like I think Ted Cruz and Donald Trump were there for the people who put them there to decide which one was going to work better. Like they let you vote on it because they're like, well, whichever one you want, we can work with whatever. Like, but I really think it's that. The
2: CFR already decided who's going to be yeah. up No, they didn't decide
0: who, they didn't care. They were like, well, Ted Cruz will like make religious right kind of, you know, juice right, right, that. Was-
1: the main concern uh, for for the globalists, whether it's communist or the fascist globalist, was to reduce man's understanding and dependence to other men and to build like another Tower of Babel kind of situation, right? <sighs>
0: They're definitely doing that.
1: Right. And so they, what they were trying to do, and this is what H.G. Wells is talking about. He's talking about Like when you read The Open Conspiracy, he he talks about reforming education. He talks about destroying institutions, destroying patriotism, destroying nationalism, destroying religions. But he starts it off like, and he spends three chapters basically talking about how to destroy religion and ushering in a new religion. Because he understands that foundation is what is the most important. And so he wants to usher in scientism and materialism into the church and you see it all around you that's why I sent y'all that flyer of the of the drag queen being introduced to the church there was a, a video I watched a while back a drag queen was giving a, a communion right and and so yeah at a at a Methodist church its Hope Methodist Church you can go to their shop and you can buy like onesies for your child that is like talking about drag and trans and all this stuff. Like, it's just insane stuff. You're like, what does this have to do with religion at all? Well, it's the, the materialistic taking over the metaphysical. So they're trying to push out that metaphysical and just everybody focus on the materialism, the secularism, the science.
0: But not you know? themselves, right? Because the Gnostics think they are kind of God, right?
1: Well, they're trying to become God. Like, Aleister Crowley never claimed to be God, but he thought he would get there eventually. See, that
0: yeah. whole gang, L. Ron Hubbard, a lot of those guys were connected to the OSS and stuff, and they, they were, were, you know, no real like religions.
2: Game. When you start so. looking at who the players were, it you know, it kind of
0: points to these uh, witchcraft-type people. <laughs> well, out yeah. here where I live um, is <clears throat> near, like, uh, JPL and everything and mm-hmm. I guess yeah. Jack Parsons started that I mean there's I've read books about him yeah uh, he was the rocket he's like you know played with rockets and I think he blew up in some kind of weird rockety thing that maybe had occult significance but I believe he was a Satanist and I think he was in with those guys and that's like the origin of space travel and like could it go even to that so where they actually did think that they could access kind of other planets and
1: Courtney and I just talked about this the other day Saul Alinsky thanks Lucifer and rules for radicals he does it's like you Alex Jones had this thing that he would always say and he'd say you don't have to believe all this stuff but they believe it it, that, they well, that's believe what I keep
2: saying. I'm like, they be, that. That was my point when I'm like, you know, when you ask whether or not it's a uh, they care about the people, I'm like, that they really believe what in what they're doing. You really and think they, because
0: sometimes I wonder if they do it for one of two reasons other than really believing it one being to keep us scared and overwhelmed by their power, and the or the other reason being that within their circles, in order to maintain their hierarchy and have their cells or their bureaucracy, mm-hmm. they have to convince like the lower 32 degrees that they have actual power, even, even if they don't. I,
2: I guess it depends on what you're asking if they believe. I, I mean, I think when it comes to do they believe that they should, uh, you know, infiltrate the culture, control the masses, that, that all of that, yeah, do yes, they I believe think- in magic?
1: I, yeah. I think they do. I think they believe that the more power they're able to attain through fear and propaganda, the closer they become to God.
0: Yeah,
2: I think so.
1: Or, or to becoming a God. Let's becoming say becoming a it God, it right? Right. And yeah. in in the Greek translation of um, I think it's what is it? Psalms ninety six five, where it says all the gods of the nations are demons, right? they believe that they are in touch with these entities. Yeah. And it's part of what's put me back on track to um, in a more Christian direction because I'm watching what's occurring and I'm saying, well, the prophecies pointed to this. Whenever I look at what's happening around me, I remember doing a study when I was 13 years old on the book of Revelation and I'm like, this looks too familiar. And this has kind of put me over the last couple of years back into a position where it's like, okay, the Christians had something figured out. like they knew something and and I'm really researching, I'm really studying and I'm really trying to figure it out. you know um, it, it's one of those things whenever I looked and I saw I was actually I've been in contact with an old youth pastor of mine from when I was a, a young kid, like twelve, thirteen years old. And I was talking to him today and I was like, when I saw what was occurring and I started seeing it infiltrate the church, I realized the 12 years that I called myself agnostic, I was wrong.
0: Well, like, I don't drugs, know. Well, it just means you can't be, you're not sure, right? I mean, right. I'm a practicing yeah, Catholic right. and I'm not 100% sure like I'm going to have a conversation with someone who knows my name after I'm dead. Like, I'm not sure about <laughs> that. I'm, wor- you know, I'm going with that because it's like the best possible outcome. And also, like when you see the manifestation of evil, it's like just like when they shove this stuff down your throat and you're just like, I'm reacting to this now. At this point, you're forcing me to react. You want me to react, I am reacting because you're going to keep pushing it until you get a rise out of me and you got the rise. So now I'm just like okay well obviously the only hope is god right so I'm going with god.
1: What I'm saying is I was wrong in the way I behaved. No matter right. what my mind tells me I yeah. should have in, continued to act as if there were god.
0: And you know if you were in a lot of what would have Pasquale's right. wager. Yes. Right.
1: Exactly. There's there's a lot in that and that's that's what I'm saying is like part of what is influencing the spirit of modern day yes. is so many people act as if there isn't a yes. God, even Luciferian if they say there self-indulgence. is self-indulgence. It's luciferian very.
0: self-intelligence. It's where exactly. it's do what you want. And it's like, there's no reason not to. You actually have to call <laughs> yourself into that position. It's not natural, in my opinion. I think right. you have a moral imperative and that love comes from a place of mutual benefit, and that that's the human beings have just emerged to that, that's a very important tool in the wheelhouse. And that um, you have to like go out of your way to be like, oh, okay, I have social security. So I don't even have to be nice to my kids. Like, you know, hmm. that's not natural. They had to put artificial things in place for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I had a couple of things, and I maybe I can ask in one big uh, question. So I'm looking at that alphabet soup: DEI, ESG, and CRT. So DEI is the diversity, equity, and um, inclusion. ESG is environmental, social, governance. CRT is the critical race theory. And both DEI does it's like generally corporate, but now it's getting into academia and schools. And what they say is you must you must discriminate and redirect resources away from the privileged group into the unprivileged group to have this equity. And that, like, if you look at that as folding into CRT, which is critical race theory, where it says that that idea, which is very cultural Marxism to me, where, like, it's not about class, it's not about money, it's not about privilege, it's not about happiness, it's about this fundamental structure of society that is inherently racist. You're not even aware of it, so we cannot blame you, but we do need to basically, like, violently invert it. And then even ESG is a way, to me, to say, to incorporate corporations like again what you see is not what you get and we have to put these structures in place to make you feel the pain of not doing what we want even though just making widgets and selling widgets and using widgets is not is no longer enough you know it's it's kind of like a psychology or sociology put in the corporate world so all of those things um, do seem to emerge from that cultural revolution thing. And I, I can't help but wonder, like, that looks like the realization of a long march because those are all institutional infiltrations. And then you said that, that I wasn't wrong or it's, it's not untrue that that, that the CIA in the sixties, for example, did have a hand in that. And, you know, is it because this is really like subsidizing capitalism or, or subsidizing Luciferians? Like, what do each of you think is the, you know, how do all those things fit together?
1: Oof. You want to go, Courtney?
0: Sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean,
2: they they have to lay the groundwork. So they can't just jump to, I, I think you're absolutely right, that the Frankfurt School Cultural Marxists really did lay the, the foundation to be able to get to where we're going now uh, and where we are now. That, you know, essentially the critical race theory is just another iteration. It's a critical theory race. Oh, right. Yeah, right, right, Critical theories, yeah. so and mm-hmm. now it's critical race theory. Mm-hmm. So it's just another iteration of critical theory. But, you know, they had to do critical theory first. You know, it's like, the, like I was saying before, they have to do feminism before they can do, uh, you know, they, they, then they went into the LGBTQ, and then, then they go into the trans, and now they're going into transhuman, you know, they, they have to lay all these steps. It's a, uh, the Fabian socialism is, uh, we call it uh, incrementalism. That's essentially what it is.
1: On Excuse me. I, I'm sorry. I just wanted to ask: wasn't the wasn't the Fabian logo like a wolf in sheep's clothing? Yeah. Oh my gosh.
2: Yeah, it was, and then then it became the the,
0: the tortoise. You know, the oh, incrementalism. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's really funny. But how about the CIA? Why? 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 Why the CIA? Yeah, the old CIA too, so like you know, because they were all Trotskyites. They were Trotskyites. Oh, because um, what you were saying earlier, like the spooks are different from the rank and file. Like, because exactly. CIA agents, FBI agents, like a lot of them, you know, I just remember. Which is being why they killed dude. Kennedy. Because well, they why? killed Kennedy. I I think. <laughs> I mean,
1: I, I because they were probably oh, yeah, right? the ice and he wasn't going along. <laughs> but
2: I, I wasn't there, but I think a lot of why they killed Kennedy was to create a uh, mass trauma based, right? Uh, you know, it's trauma based mind control. So they did all this beta testing of a uh, you know specific individual trauma based mind control, and then this was you know kind of a way to do a mass scale trauma based mind control in the War of the really, Worlds. Was yeah. an experiment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yep. And it did really traumatize the nation. So, Imagine H.G. You know, Wells. I, I don't know. Why, right. I don't
1: know why I keep bringing him up.
2: So so <laughs> uh, he he was definitely in that circle, so he might have known. But a thing or two. I think it's absolutely this. Uh, you know, it it is uh, the critical theory, and it is this. I, I what I'm saying is, I wrote this article on critical race theory. A couple of, uh, I guess about two years ago now, and what I talked about is that they do re- replace the. the pecuniary uh, class card with the race card because mostly because it, and it's the same notion that Gramsci had that it had to be done culturally because in this country we have the, the part of what you know people pride uh, America on is being able to have class mobility and have fiscal mobility and so they knew that that wasn't going to be a viable uh, tension to stoke and therefore they stoked the, they replaced this notion of oppressed versus oppressor with, you know, the, the race card. How, with, it's the immutable race card, right? Cause you have no control over it. you. Yes, right. It. But then they went a step further with the intersectionality because now they have uh, carte blanche to have this umbrella type term that, and essentially, and they're all essentially interchangeable and interconnected. So, you know, it, it's now you have these different, I, and you would be, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure you both know all of these, like there's like ableism and there's like, you know, yeah. badism. And I, I mean, it gets absurd, but there are all these protected classes who of course, you know, they're protected, and therefore you have to uh, take from the privileged. And this is the worst of it is that with all of the DEI and with the SEL, this is what they're teaching to children. So
0: they're what's SEL, the sustainable sustainability goals. What are you saying? Social emotional learning.
1: Oh, social. What is that? It's what they changed CRT to whenever people found out that they were teaching CRT. Eventually. They're like, no, we're not, we're teaching SEL.
0: So it's like uh, yeah. ESG. It's like taking taking where the rubber hits the road out of the actual thing that you're talking about. So it's I'll, that I always I'll, I'll get to
1: ESG in a second. I was gonna let it
0: yeah, be. He, ESG. <laughs> ESG is a scam. I mean, it's a huge fraud. You know, it is, but I used to always say that like um academia, politics, and the media are three things where they tell you what to do, what to think and all of that. And the rubber never hits the road. Like if they don't get fired, it doesn't matter that they're wrong ever. But if you're in business, Mm -hmm. you and you don't, if you don't design the widget well, don't market it properly, if it doesn't work, you go out of business. And, with the ESG thing, they're like removing that objectivity out of that as well by sure. saying like, first of all, we're getting rid of, and the pandemic did this too, we're getting rid of all like individual businesses, all of that. And if you don't play this game, if you are not part of the club, you won't have be. But if you do play the game, then you get to be a monopoly in your country for this product. It's also just a Trojan horse for the social global social credit system. I mean, that's essentially
2: what the ESG is all about. With the, you know, the march through the institutions, when you talk about the different institutions. So, you know, Gramsci had had about five of them, but there, there probably are somewhere around like 12 if you go through all of them. But yes. The crux of all of them is education because mm-hmm. and that's why they're targeting the kids so hard. Uh, they're just saying, you know, we we don't need your guns when we have your kids. And it, it, I think there's a lot of truth to it. And they go through the education because Think, then they get all the institution. So if you think about it, right, like but the, the legal system, that's an institution. How do you get to be a lawyer? You go to law school, the medical system, right? You have to go through years of school. You're educated so they can indoctrinate you and condition you. You know, the media to become a journalist, you have to go through an education, right? So all of these dis- different systems, Uh I mean, even the, the family, they did. John Dewey was uh, pretty transparent about, you know, why they created the public education system. And it really wasn't, uh, it, it it wasn't as uh, benevolent as people might think, you know. Mm. So right, it wasn't. It, it had a lot more to do with control and statism. So
0: it was almost like a forerunner of Common Core. His idea was to like take the content out, make sure you could think enough to work, but not to really like, like they deprive you of the liberal, liberal, liberal arts, thinking. which are the free man's arts. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. It was to erode critical thinking. They wanted to teach you, you know, uh, what to think and you, as opposed to how to think. So, yeah. So I just want to say that the education is kind of the the fulcrum, if you will, of all of the institutions that they needed to infiltrate because through that they can get to the others, Take away the ESG.
1: ESG is a garbled mess. <laughs> if you like I started reading it on it in 2019 Trying to figure out, like, what is this? And you had said it has to do with corporations. Actually, it has zero to do with corporations. It has everything to do with the with people. It has everything to do with the consumer. It's all about controlling your habits and who and where you get your products, right? So, and incentivize
2: the, the corporations though, and then they well, do right. I,
1: I'm, I'm going to get to that, but it, but the ultimate goal is not the corporations; it's you. All right, you're you're the target. In shaping the future of the fourth industrial revolution, Klaus Schwab says that the investors have the carrot to make the corporations move. All right. Because corporations don't hold liquidity. They turn to investors for liquidity in order to finance their future products. All right. If the if you get the hedge funds, if you get the financial institutions choosing picking and choosing right if you get them picking and colder
2: capitalism
1: right who they do business with where they give loans how they give those loans and why they give those loans and they come up with these arbitrary rules esg in order to get those loans then then they're forcing the corporations to act in specific ways so you get the gillette commercial you get coca-cola You know, being all woke, you get Disney being all woke. Why? Because you only have so many products to choose from. You're addicted to Coca Cola. You're addicted to Disney. You're addicted to these things. As they move the corporations, they move the culture. They move you because you're going with them because you have no other choice. There's nowhere else to go, right? So yes they are putting the lean on corporations in order to get the funding but the reason they're doing that isn't to get the corporations it's to get you to act the way they want you to act Which because is how? They, apparently
0: men suck and
1: fossil fuels no. suck no, they've been talking about getting rid of fossil fuels since the 40s. Before the fossil fuel industry and before uh, the, the gas industry lobbied D.C., there were actually cars that ran on nothing but ethanol. That, that was, was all Ford's idea.
0: On. I believe right. that was for. decades.
1: James Corbett did an entire uh, two series documentary, "How Big Oil Conquered the World and Why Big Oil Conquered the World." I had him on. We talked about this, really? and we talked about ESG okay. specifically um, in this context. Because if you look at if you look at the CEO or the CFO of BP or Shell or Exxon Mobil. They're all for sustainable development. BP goes around bragging that the increase in prices is helping them to diversify where they're getting energy from and how they're producing energy, right? So so when you when you sit here and you're and these people are like the conservatives, especially are bad about this. They want to group all oil into the same category. It's not the same category. What's happening with the oil companies right now is BP and Shell and ExxonMobil are on board with WEF and ESG. They're on board. They're in that camp. Yeah, yeah. And there's 10,000 leases. The Biden administration keeps saying, we've approved 10,000 leases, right? It's not BP, Shell, ExxonMobil that are having an issue getting funding. They're on board with the ESG. It's the drilling companies. They only process the oil they do not drill the oil there are companies like halliburton and yeah, these EMP. small yeah there are a because lot of small right? Yeah. right there are a lot of smaller companies that do the drilling they can't get the financing to operate on these leases because It's bad for the ESG score. They have a low ESG score. So therefore, the financial institutions won't fund them.
0: So are you saying that the oil companies are fine with this because they get to sell less oil at much higher prices? And because because they're moving into green and green is going to be more oligopolistic even than oil or what? Why does Exxon? They are fine with it. I agree with you, but why?
1: Green requires you to own the land. It's a, it's a land grab. Look at look at what Bill Gates just did. He just bought 242,000 acres of farmland. BlackRock's going around buying real estate all over the place. These oil companies, they don't want to lease the resources from you. They want to own the land because land only increases in value. You can't have a wind farm or a solar farm without owning the property. You can't do it you have to own that land. Someone has to own it. If you're renting that land from a person like a billboard, let's say, if I were to uh, like try to sell a piece of my property to put a billboard up, that company that puts that billboard up on my property is going to pay me $250 a month just for that small spot. You're talking about eight inches, 10 inches in diameter, that, that oh, I see is, what
0: you're saying. Right, like even an oil drill. Not, they
1: not. Just, just one spot, but a solar field or a wind wind farm. Those farms, wind
0: farms, they're that's hideous. I see huge. them. Huge.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all over California. I think they're the only thing that keeps California attached to the United States. Um But maybe
0: <laughs> so, it's a shame. I mean, I, I wanna get out. I wanna be on the last chopper out of Saigon, but I do think that <laughs> I, I took the last plane out of Saigon in September. <laughs> Did you? Oh my gosh, I want to get back to Texas. And I'm a Yankee. And I'm still like I just we could not get south enough. We
1: w- we would be we would be happy to have you.
0: Thank yeah, you. I'm go. Oh, it will happen. It's definitely happening. But as a as a you podcasting, it really, you know, despite what people may think, it is not enough to run a household on the
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> It's barely enough to run a podcast on what you have. <laughs>
1: yes. oh that's true.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yes, that's why I was sweaty when I got here this evening. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because everybody
0: has a real job. So all right, so let's kind of bring it home like what what's the takeaway are are you guys totally blackpilled about this stuff I mean do you think people are waking up like what's the what's and don't don't worry you won't have to end on a hopeful note but you know what's the bottom line? Are they misrep misjudging the true nature of man because they're so removed from it? What's the Can I give
1: one white pill about the ESG stuff real quick? Go for it. Great. Yeah. So so Peter Thiel Everybody's focusing on Elon Musk uh, and this whole Twitter nonsense that's going on. That's not the real fight that's happening, okay? The real fight that's happening is Peter Thiel is financing a ton of financial institutions. He just started one with a guy. I can't, the guy's like Indian or something. I can't pronounce his name. um, So I'm not even gonna try, but it's called Strive. The whole purpose of this was to compete with BlackRock. All right? Yeah. So there are people out there oh, that are What? Oh,
0: you think Peter Thiel is legit?
1: I I think so just from what I'm watching his moves. Now, here's what I'll say about what I mean by legit.
0: <laughs> Monica and I are like, uh um
1: No, like here I, 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 timing, I actually uh, I do actually have like um uh parenthetical here because what I think you're witnessing And here's what I think you're witnessing when it comes to like Peter Thiel and and Elon Musk and a Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates. I think we're witnessing the different factions of globalization. Like we were just talking about the the communist globalist and the fascist globalist, right? I think you're witnessing a couple of different factions of globalization. You have the uh, more modern globalist which would be like your bill gates and your klaus schwab's they're kind of like the old guard you have the new guard well the new guard doesn't really have power right they have money but they don't have any power the power is still sitting in that old guard with the klaus schwab's it's why we keep getting 90 year old fucking presidents um you know, because that's where all of the power is residing. It's still residing in those in those people. You know, the Hans Wies and there is you know, something
0: to the olds.
1: They yeah, just won't, and, and Elliot Abrams. They just won't let it go. That's why you couldn't kill Grandma because he's going to Here is
0: still alive. I'm like calling shots, but, but they're still right. And I almost wonder if they're just like they're just propping them up there while the other guys can incubate. The guy's name is Vivek Ramaswamy. Just so you know. There you go. Yeah. There you go.
1: So, I'm but, never saying that.
0: Yeah, I know. It's good. It's nice. It's got a rhythm. I think it's, it's fun to say Vivek Ramaswamy. <laughs> so, um, but Courtney, you're you're on my page. You're like, we're like, I mean, it, it, only if you see where Peter Thiel got his money from, like that's always a big tell. But
1: probably like Intel, and
0: yeah, I think it was in Qtel, which <laughs> is the CIA venture capital thing. But Courtney, why were you like screwing up your face at Tommy for thinking Peter Thiel might be for real?
2: Yeah, well, for that reason, I mean, yeah. I, I don't
0: trust him at all. Yeah, there's I no mean, chance, he, he, not no yeah. chance in the world. Well, I no, I, I, try, we,
1: I trust him fighting the WEF, yeah. which is where well, all the power the resides the, right now.
0: More to Tommy's point, though, I think is something that I've been considering lately and I'm interested in what Courtney has to say is that it is possible. I mean, I was so completely like everything's all sewn up, especially with mm-hmm. lockdown, like the entire world locked down except for like Belarus. And, yeah. but, But Belarus did not lock down. But Putin had a vaccine. But, like, maybe it was water. Like, I don't know. Putin's, like, actually fighting in Ukraine now. But maybe we just needed another war because Afghanistan just, like, got too old. (laughs) I don't know. But it's possible that that is a real fight. Or, like, um, Giuliani went over to Ukraine to, like, dip his beak. And they were just like, get the fuck out of here. This is for Democrats. Like, remember? And so there could be... You, you know i'm still wondering if there are you know if there are two parties like i don't think so but at at a certain level like i just i i have to wonder is everyone sitting at the same table and just laughing their asses off that we think that like Putin and Biden don't whatever like smoke cigars together like what is the real deal there because you can have two evils who offset each other and that's actually a white pill right there because nobody's mm-hmm. gonna get anywhere that's great that's like I, I deadlock in Washington they're like deadlock in Washington I'm like yay deadlock in Washington yeah. you know well I think a really good example of that is actually
2: you talked about like a you know fascism and communism right it's, it's not that a Hitler was so opposed to fascism, it's that he wanted to be in power. So, you know, he didn't want Mussolini taking the power. He wanted to rule the world. And just, Stalin, you know, and he tried Stalin, to work it out, and, and then Stalin, they exactly. it
0: in. Not enough room yeah. for both of them.
2: Exactly. The, 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 yeah, do you that, think that's still possible? So I, I absolutely do. So I, th- I always say it was a war, you know, it was a competition of men, not of ideology, really, because, I mean, Hitler came from the soci- sociological, socio. Socialist, socialist, sorry, I can't speak socialist, uh, you know, ideology, that's where he came right. out of. So yeah, yeah. but I, I think that's absolutely going on right now. I I think that there's so I, I think good example would be like China. So we essentially put China in power. <laughs> You That's know, another
0: Corbett <laughs> documentary. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. In China, I, I, apparently I need to, you know, catch up on James Corbett. <laughs> yeah, you should definitely his his like yeah, stuff he's, he works hard he's on. Awesome. it Okay. Yeah. So I have more uh, He's hard
1: to get on your show though, because he's always working on a new documentary.
0: Yeah. Okay. okay. It's it took, more, it,
1: it took it took me like two or three months. Like we scheduled like two two or three months ahead of time. Just okay. to make sure that he could get great, on. <laughs> I have the next
0: two months pretty booked. So,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but no, just watch the documentaries. That's definitely his highest. Of yeah, best no, music. I'll start with Fantastic. that for, sure. Yeah, for sure. sure. Those two, I would say, are absolutely you must watch. It. Okay, oil yeah. and China.
2: Okay, yeah. So I think China so is. You're the, saying I mean, China. We essentially, we put them in power, and then you know now I think. They kind of feel like they might have
0: enough power and they they want more, right? So, yes, that's what I think. It's like, or the alternative is, I just thought of this recently. Perhaps when the Rockefellers went in there to like, maybe the Rockefellers were, were reading the tea leaves and they said, now they actually said out loud we have to slow down the west and prop up the east if we're going to have yes. that merger so we can that. have world government there is mm. a chance though that they saw and maybe these things are both true at the same time that they saw the inevitable power of china once like they discovered electricity like you're going to have a billion people who work hard and are smarter than you and then when you plug them in you have no chance so maybe biden and rockefeller are there like smoking cigars with those guys saying fuck america like come on you and me we got this thing <laughs> (laughs) And it could be that China, just like JFK to Ronald Reagan and Nixon and these guys who who were kind of, you know, they were deep state guys or whatever. They were connected. They knew how it worked. But then they were just like, hey, I'm a man. I have ideas and I'm the president. And they were just like, oh, another one, another one who thinks he's the president. So it's possible. I I think it it is possible. I think that, you know, they I think the globalists,
2: the global elites use China as a model. And that's, you know, so China. Definitely. they think China is a yeah. pawn, but I think China thinks that you know they they possibly could be a contender at the table. Yeah, so, I mean they are yeah.
0: holding the gun; like they could use it. You know, right. like they don't, I think you don't that's what they
2: think. I don't yeah. know how factual it is. You know, I think China's got
0: factions in there, too. Like, yeah, but, well, and, and it's not just that. China,
2: I don't think China is as powerful as, you know, they would like everyone else to believe. So okay. I don't know how viable it is. That doesn't mean that they're not buying for power. They don't want to. So and I, the same thing, you know, with Russia. So I think we, we, we got with Putin is what is a very interesting thing, because in some ways, I think he really is fighting the new world order. You know, right. What didn't Jacob Roth, Rothschild say that the single largest threat to the new world order is Vladimir Putin? So, wow. I mean, I I've heard people say that that's yeah, it's like possible. Dis- yeah, definitely possible. Well, I've heard people say that's a disinfo campaign. Yeah, I, I actually am. And I
0: don't know, but I I'm inclined to actually believe it based on results. So well, that's the so thing. That's- like we're looking at it and you have to actually identify like it's like calling everybody fed. We're all feds. It's like, well, OK, yeah. why do you think that? Like, give me but some actual reasons. It. But I don't.
2: So, so where, what I think is that he is, in a lot of ways, culturally fighting the New World Order. That doesn't make him an ally because I think totally, he's right. to take care of Russia. And he, His wants, he wants the, you know, the, For himself. The, the global Russia.
0: His power is in the Russian people, and the Russian people benefit from people playing by the rules because the guys who aren't playing by the rules are have the advantage. So if you're like, hey, exactly. slow down, you've got to like be fair. It's like, exactly. well, that's obviously in your advantage, but if you were on top, you would probably, you know, whatever. So I totally agree. Yeah. It doesn't mean he's virtuous. Th- see, that's- it doesn't mean he's on our side, but no. I would like it if we played fair.
1: That's exactly my view of Peter Thiel like he's fighting the the worst threat right now but he's doing it for his own reasons he's not doing it for us like i would never act, act as if i thought he was going to do it he was doing it for me or for you or for our wealth or our well-being he's just he's fighting that the worst threat at the moment which is the the WEF in this and see what H.G. Wells said in The Open Conspiracy, he said you have to destroy the patriotism, the nationalism, these institutions. And some people think it's going to be one of the nation states that rises up to be that global power and to be that that global government. But it's not. And that's a very um, – how did he put it? He said it was – a. He said it was a very naive thing to think that the government that we see rise up as a global power will look anything like what we think of when we think of a nation state.
0: I have to, or even going over ninety minutes. and I know Courtney has something to say, but can I say two quick things, Courtney?
1: First?
0: Yes. Okay. So here are the two things: is that I was watching a movie on Netflix called Six Underground, starring Ryan Reynolds, and it was about a billionaire who was saving some country from its own leader, and that, and then he's like it, they were setting it up for like sequels. Looked like to me, but it, right. he's you know like another Batman kind of thing, like people thought Trump was like billionaire by day, but superhero by night, but this. I had an international thing. He was enforcing democracy, like in different countries, as an international player, and then also in one of those 2010 um, Rockefeller Foundation that document that had four scenarios in it about the technological future, Where lockstep like that was, yeah, yes. So there and mm-hmm. Hack Attack was another one of them in one of those, and I actually think Lockstep, although it bore a lot to the, lo- the lockdown and stuff, Hack Attack actually I thought was closer to what really happened, and I think in no, that one it was both. Yeah. It, yes. Right. It was a mixture for sure. Well, one of the things that said there, and I'm, I think it might have been in the hack attack one, which was uh, the degeneration, the degradation of the nation state will lead to not a world government in this case, but in big philanthropy being the de facto world government. So th- these are different visions, Tommy. Like what you're saying, that's excellent. Is like these are different visions of the mm-hmm. the post national um, competitive landscape in the world. And that's what I think Peter Thiel is doing.
1: That's what I think Peter Thiel is. I think he's a competitor that, Mm -hmm. and doesn't have the power or influence to hurt us at this moment.
0: I don't know. I saw um, Travis Kalanick try to keep the government from uh, surveilling like Uber riders and they killed his mother, in my opinion. So I don't think any individual is really going to be able to break out, but sorry, Courtney, I keep stepping on you.
2: I, I agree with you. I totally agree with you. Um, but I, I was I was going to say two things. Uh, one in terms of like the the competition. I mean, Soros is actually. I mean, he has a very different vision than like the World Economic Forum and the the globalist. You know, he's
0: he's a Karl Popper guy, just like exactly.
2: I think Adorno. Exactly, mm-hmm. open societies. You know that that's his whole, which is kind of the opposite, actually, of what. Like the World Economic Forum and what the so he in a way you know they they align it, it's kind of like the uh, you know uh, it like the radical Islamic they align with uh,
0: the with the communists it's just like any game like you get rid of the they, they have a common enemy <laughs> so watch cutthroat kitchen or whatever it's called like you you always take out the weak guy first you don't like go for the strong guy it's like I'll no. you know take out the weak guy first I'll worry about you later. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and what was the second thing you were going to say?
2: Yeah. So what I was going to say is that uh, a lot of the documents and and yes, uh, the that lock that it was the scenarios for future technologies, something like that, right? The Rockefeller Foundation document written um, by an Esselin guy, by the way. It was. Yeah, yeah. it was. That's right. Um, I think that that there are several other documents, and they all say. Uh, Jacques Attali was one of them, but they talk about how by and agenda 2130 talks about this too that you know they they don't want uh, there won't be any nation states, like essentially by 2030, they would like the collapse of the United States, and then uh, by 2050, that there will be no nation states, it will be like I know, need power like, blocks. Oh what that
0: I need to see, I haven't seen yeah. that. Yeah. That if there will be, the, that's me, I would love to put it, yeah, the show up. I
2: will. Um, that there's like power blocks, but not nation states anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's that, that th- those are their plans. I'm not saying they're going to happen. Yeah, that makes sense because the, the North system. American
0: Union was one of those that they said yes. the CFR said, like, this is how we align all their ledges. And they tried with
2: the uh, uh, North America, you know, union that they were trying to do
0: also. Um, yeah. So, yeah. okay. So we got to wrap because we could just keep going forever.
1: Uh, we haven't even got to the philanthropy yet.
0: Well, we'll have to do that next time <laughs> unless you can do it in like two and a half minutes and I can't uh, there's a lot. All right, there's let's do lot. it next time. Um, Wow, this was really, really fun. Really fun. So thank you so much. And obviously, I would have thought we'd have to do it in the morning for, I mean, Courtney is absolutely sharp as a tack. I usually drive people to drink by this hour. And uh, then all my podcasts are drunken and people listen to them in the morning and they're just like, why is everybody drunk? It's like, well, I think (laughs) it was after work, you know. But anyway, so you really brought it and I appreciate that. Uh, So let's just go around the corner. I'm I'm Monica Perez from... um, uh, deep Dives with Monica Perez. You can also tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. And my new URL is monicasdeepdives.com. Uh, so let's go around. Courtney, go ahead. What the, Remind people how they can find you. Yeah. So I, I'm Courtney Turner. And I spell my name like Courtney.
2: So it's C-O-U-R-T-E-N-A-Y. And it's the Courtney Turner Podcast. And I am pretty much everywhere that you can find podcasts except for YouTube. Uh, and my website, it should be out hopefully next week. And it's just Courtney Turner.com. And then I'm on Twitter at Courtney Turner. I'm on Instagram at kinetic courts.
0: Excellent. And Tommy.
1: Yes. I'm Tommy Salmons, the host of the year zero podcast. I can also be found everywhere. You can find podcasts and even YouTube though. I don't do video for my podcast. It's audio only. So you just get to look at my logo, but, uh, I prefer you go to libertarianinstitute.org forward slash year dash zero forward slash and pick it up there because then Scott knows I'm actually doing the work okay
0: wow guys that was super super fun i really appreciate it uh thanks for putting it together tommy thanks for bringing it bringing your all courtney or maybe it's not your all maybe it's definitely not (laughs) tied behind your head like oh wow like there's so much more and there you go well hopefully we'll tap into so much more next time yeah let's do it all (laughs) righty